What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. return to our American stories. Up next, a story from our True Diversity series sponsored by the great folks at Philanthropy Roundtable, America's leading advocate for your freedom to support the causes you believe in. Their True Diversity initiative encourages Americans to embrace all the qualities that make us unique individuals because there's so much more to each of our stories than what's defined by a group identity or other superficial traits. Today, we meet a partner of their campaign, Patrice Onwuka. Take it away, Patrice. My story starts back in the Caribbean. I was born in a tiny island called Montserrat. For the most part, most people work in some shape or form in a way that is you know, connected to the government. And even more difficult for people is that if you are not connected, if you are not wealthy already, the likelihood of your children being able to go to college, go to graduate school, really achieve beyond you know, what you yourself as an adult is doing, you know, it's, it's very small. And my parents, they were not connected, <laughs> they were not wealthy, and they recognized that you know, for us, their children, to be able to achieve greater things, it was not going to happen in this tiny parochial island of Montserrat. That's why they decided to move to the United States where there would be so much more opportunity for them. So they filed for us to come to this country and my parents went through the entire legal process. Um, it was expensive. 
It was very long years. It took years to get through, but they did it. And to do it, they sold our home. They <laughs> sold the cars. We had two cars at the time. And, you know, they, they left a, a pretty decent middle-class lifestyle. They, they, they weren't rich, but we had a split-level home overlooking the water, which, you know, on an island is pretty easy, but still beautiful, gorgeous views to working people. And they traded all of that. There was not necessarily parity between uh, the currency in our island and the, and the U.S. dollar, so obviously our money back then didn't go very far. And they ended up selling everything and moving to the United States with just about five suitcases of clothes and not a lot of money to start over literally from scratch. And I think to myself, why in the world would they do this? It wasn't like we moved to Florida, to Miami. We moved to Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> we lived in Dorchester. And you're leaving temperatures of 70 degrees and sunny with a cool ocean breeze every single day to move to cold, icy, snowy Boston, where the familiarity, all of the things you know, the people you know, you know, are left behind. All of the culture, the experiences that you're accustomed to, the smells. I mean, waking up and smelling mangoes from the tree outside, seeing kids playing on the streets well into the evening time, driving on a Saturday to go get a hot, freshly baked loaf of bread with cheese and, and watching the, the sandal guy make slippers across the way while you're under a tamarind tree, enjoying life going by very slowly and, and calmly to Boston. And not uh, Faneuil Hall in Boston, not Beacon Hill in Boston, not Copley, you know, it, it's Dorchester. And this was in 1985 we moved to Boston. This was during the height of the drug epidemic. And so it, it was like going from your, your, your coloring book page where it's full of reds and greens and, and, and blues and purples and yellows and you flip the page and it's all gray. It's all shades of gray and black and somber. The joy of familiarity has been replaced by the uncertainty of the unknown. And my parents, you know, they found a little apartment. It was in a two, I guess it's a three-story house. It was the top attic apartment. It had two bedrooms, one window in the front and a back door. So it was, it was tiny. Very hot in the summertime because there was no AC. You know, we went to the laundromat to wash our clothes, but in between that, we had to wash things by hand. So my father was a laborer. He worked for construction companies at the time, and he would leave in the wee dark hours of the morning and come back late into the evening. And he would be caked, caked in mud. And still, my mom, who was, you know, an entry-level accountant, she would come home exhausted, <laughs> understandably, cook a fresh pot of dinner, usually rice and chicken, make sure our my brother and I had done our schoolwork and our homework, put us to bed, and then head right to the bathroom where she would take my father's jeans, his work clothes, and fill up the tub and start washing 
the caked mud out of his jeans. She'd be hunched over the, the tiny tub on her knees well into the dark night, scrubbing those jeans by hand. And, I, and so once in a while when I would wake up just to use the bathroom and I would see her there, I remember that those images and it's like seared into my memory. It's so vivid that I could just see her tired, just the, the, the veins on her hands, you know, burgeoning as she's scrubbing with soap, you know, my dad's jeans. I mean, that, I learned quickly and early that that is love, that that is sacrifice, that that is hard work, but that you as a parent and a spouse, you will do everything and anything to ensure that your family is taken care of and has what each member needs. And my dad needed clean clothes and my mom would do that. And then she'd go to bed and wake up early and start the process all over again. And you know, that is part of the hardness of America because my parents came to this country thinking that the streets were paved with gold. I mean, that is, that's, that's the mantra <laughs> overseas. Everything is greater than America. When, when people come back home to visit, they come with money, they have their gold jewelry, they're flashy, they talk about how great things are, and I'm sure things are better for them, but they don't always talk about the challenges, the hardness, the, the difficulties of assimilation, the difficulties of, of learning how to make your own way in a, in a country that you know prides itself on individualism and community, certainly community when it comes to the church and it comes to philanthropy and charity, but there's an element of just, you, you figure it out on your own. And that was part of the hardness and the difficulty of transitioning. You know, part of also the challenge is just the environment. Rampant drug dealing and violence associated with it spilled over from the groups of kids on the corner to the kids who were just going about their day. And I remember a young woman, I believe her name was Tiffany Smith. She was killed just, what, a block or two from, from our home. She was on a mailbox, sitting on the mailbox. Probably shouldn't have been out late at night, but she was shot and killed. And that was a wake-up call in the entire city to recognize that the street violence had to be addressed. But again, <laughs> my parents will tell you, that despite the challenges, the hardship, the difficulties of living in America, it was worth it. And you've been listening to Patrice Anwuka share her family's story, her assimilation to America from the small island in the Caribbean, Montserrat, and finding themselves not in Miami, not even North or South Carolina, but no, Boston, icy cold Boston, and Dorchester, a tough suburb outside of Boston, where they had to make do and make their way in a new country. No familiarity, the toughness of the weather, the culture. I love that she pointed out the smells. My grandfather had come from Sicily and had the same things to tell me. When we come back, more of our True Diversity series with Patrice Anwuka here on Our American Stories. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Patrice Anwuka's story as part of our True Diversity series. We return to Patrice on her immigrant parents buying their first home in America when she was in the fourth grade. Buying your first home is a huge deal. Especially when you've come to this country with so little um, where you have, where you have worked menial jobs, worked overtime, given up time with your family just to ensure that you could put a meal on the table every day, shoes on the kids' feet, and my parents somehow working in jobs that collectively paid them less than my first job in D.C. As, and my job, my first job in D.C. paid very little because I worked for a nonprofit. But I still made more in that first job than my parents made together when I was growing up. But despite that, they saved and saved for a down payment for a home. And it was a home miles, at least 45 minutes away, on the very outskirts of the city of Boston, still within city limits, but in a neighborhood where for the first time, they could breathe a sigh of relief. Um, they weren't worried about us getting shot or killed, my brother getting recruited to a gang. It was far, and that meant that um, when there was a, a bus strike, I would have to take the public transport rather than the school bus to school. 
And that was nerve wracking for my, my, my mom because I was eight years old, a little girl, and my parents had to work. And so two choices, Patrice stays at home for the however long the school bus strike would be and it, and it ended up being for months on end, or Patrice learns to take the, the transit, public transit by herself. And that was a commute of two bus rides, about 15 to 20 minutes each, as well as a 30 minute train ride in between. A very long trip. <laughs> and my parents said, you know what? Her education is too important. And so the first day of the bus strike, my mom, she figured out the route. We took the bus, we took the train, we took another bus, we got off at my school stop. And she said, this is how you do it every day. And she would join me in the morning and then go to work. And in the afternoon, I was 100% on my own to do the same route going home. And even in my, <laughs> my fourth grade, eight or nine year old heart, I knew I could do it. I wasn't scared one bit. It was nerve wracking and I should have been scared <laughs> considering some of the things that I saw. I mean, I was, even though I was tall for my age, I, I was, all I remember were just legs. People were walking like trees because they were so much bigger than me. But imagine seeing a little girl with two long braids and a backpack on her back and a little purse on her shoulder, navigating through the legs of grown adults, going to school and coming home every day. And I did it for months on end until that school bus strike finally came to an end because again, our education was paramount. And we, and even, and, and, and I learned at that age that I had to be willing to make a sacrifice for my education for what was important. And I did it. And every day my parents came home, uh, they knew that I, I, I called my mom when I got home to let her know. I let myself in and, and I was safe. And unfortunately, I look back and look at the kids who took the other choice, who did not take the bus or did not find a, someone else to carpool with, who literally stayed home for most of the school year. They ended up getting left behind and had to repeat their education at that, that grade level. <laughs> it's, it's just a reminder that the sacrifices are worth it. Um, and so it, it taught me at an early level, early age, just to prize my education, to work hard. And, and there were blessings. I call them blessings. Even in the midst of that, I, I remember for about a week on a stretch, every afternoon when I got on at the first bus, there would be a dollar in my chair or a dollar in the spot where I would usually sit. And I don't know where that dollar came from. I would look around, <laughs> there was no one there. So I would just take that dollar up and put it in my little purse. And it happened one day, then it happened the next day, then it happened the next day. I truly believe that someone saw a little girl getting on this, the, the public transit bus every day to go home from school and said, boy, let me do something good for her. And I will never know who that person is. Maybe you're listening, I don't know. Thank you if you are. It taught me a lot about private charity. But you know, my education, I went to Boston Latin School for high school, uh, went on to Tufts University, where I studied economics and political science, and for the first time, really understood why 
I had such a passion for politics and I loved the economy and loved understanding how the micro decisions that people make as consumers, as business owners, really impacts the larger economy and how the government's decisions impact the little person, the small business owner and the individual. And I decided that that is what I really wanted to go into. You know, and one of the things that we did very regularly is that my parents would watch television programs at night, specifically PBS. They loved the McLaughlin Group. Um, and over the years, even after we moved out of that apartment and moved into our first home, there was never a, a, a week that political commentary shows were not on our television screen. And I hated it. I will be honest. I thought they were boring. They were annoying. I wanted to watch cartoons or I wanted to watch something where people were laughing. Instead, I, I would see people yelling back and forth or talking about foreign policy, talking about the economy. Things that to me at, at a tender age were just as foreign as, you know, speaking to someone from another country in another language. So the irony is that uh, I would become one of those talking heads on television. And it hit me that moment where, you know, you, you finally made it to a place you never thought you would be when your mom calls you and says, I was getting ready for church on a Sunday morning and I hear my daughter's voice. And I live in Washington, D.C., and she's in Boston and she's looking around. And next thing you know, she looks up and sees me on television on a PBS Sunday morning show talking about policy. And she said, I, I was overjoyed. I, I had not told her I was going to be on the show. In fact, I'd forgotten. You know, I'd started getting into the television commentary circuit on a regular basis, and I, I very much am. Um, but to me, it was, it was not a big deal. But to her, to her, it meant the world because the little girl who she thought wasn't paying attention to the McLaughlin group or to all of the commentary shows that, that we would watch and my parents would watch and debate politics, she never knew that I was taking notes. And, and in my little heart, a desire to be able to become one of those voices and be representative of the viewpoints that she holds, she never imagined that being part of my destiny. Only in America is something like that possible. So, you know, here you are, you've got, here I am. <laughs> I'm a woman, I'm an immigrant, I'm a proud, naturalized American citizen. I believe in independence and freedom and autonomy. I am so many things wrapped up in one, one ball of passion and, and purpose and energy. And sometimes people don't know what to do with me when they assume that I'm going to think a certain way or view a particular issue from one viewpoint because of my gender or because of my ethnicity or because of my race. And I surprise them and I'm happy to do that. And my gender should not dictate how I view life. My race does not dictate my worldview. We should be treated as individuals who bring different perspectives different backgrounds, different lived experiences to the table and treated as such. When we start labeling people and limiting them based just on the superficial outward um, categories, we miss the richness, the textures, the uniqueness that makes every person an individual. 
And a special thanks to Patrice Onwuka for sharing her story. Her story has been a part of our True Diversity series sponsored by Philanthropy Roundtable. Learn more at truediversity.org. And Patrice's story is a story of millions of immigrants who come here to improve their lives. What a moment it must have been for Patrice's mom to look at that television and see her daughter on it. Years before, Patrice was being forced to watch the McLaughlin Group by her parents, those same parents. And there she was now on the television giving her opinions. And by the way, I loved what she said. I am proud to be a naturalized American citizen, she said. My Italian grandparents and my Lebanese grandparents told me the same thing. And when that flag was flying in front of both of their homes, it meant something to them. The story of Patrice Onwuka, part of our True Diversity series, here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.